Hello and welcome. Hey guys, buckle up for a new episode of Buddha is Calling podcast, the one and only podcast made for anyone like you to discover how to live a life with intention and find the true purpose of your life. Whether you're a student, a mom, a working professional, an entrepreneur, or the president of any country in the world, if you're someone trying to find your true calling, you're sure to pick up tidbits of actionable advice when you listen to Buddha is Calling podcast. As we begin this journey with season one, we're in to experience true transformation through personal stories of our guests that include famous life coaches, fitness experts, entrepreneurs, inventors, songwriters, and many other success enthusiasts as they share the details of their life stories and unravel the moments when they found the true purpose of their lives. Stay tuned till the end of each episode where we discuss the changes that you can make in life right now that help you to discover your true calling instantly. So welcome once again to Buddha's Calling Podcast and enjoy the episode. Before we start, make sure you follow us on our social media channels on Instagram, Twitter and YouTube at the way Buddha is calling podcasts to continue being a part of this conscious and elevated tribe. Let's begin. Hello everyone, welcome to yet another episode of Buddha is calling podcast. Today we have with us a very special guest. Her name is Urmi and she's a business owner of a construction company in fact of many construction companies based in London um, she's also a creativity coach um, and an RTD specialist where she helps so many artists um, players high-impact people to align their purpose vision and values um, if all of that is not enough let me also share with you that she's a mom of three super special kids so it's so lovely to have you Arvi, with us today um, you know we know that you've been living your life with intention and followed your calling and you're here to help our audience and our listeners to gain a little bit of perspective about your life so uh, over to you tell us a bit about yourself oh, cool okay um so I'm really excited to be here and uh, just a little bit nervous I will not lie to you <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so my name's Omi and I am a born and bred Londoner, um, although my parents were originally from India and um, I am pretty much like you said, um, doing several things <laughs> and um, just really, yeah, just, just really living now after a long time of possibly not living in the way that I really should have been. Um, I'm already excited because what you said was so deep um, I think a lot of us just exist we've lost ourselves in the whole nitty-gritties of life maybe our daily jobs daily chores looking after the kids or you know meeting our friends we sometimes don't show up for ourselves in life and uh, what you said was so beautiful like right at the beginning we haven't even got started and uh, would love to know, like you shared uh, when we connected sometime earlier, um, that you also have a background in journalism. So I know there's that's back in the day, and it's been quite some time since you were uh, into an active journalism. Share your story about how you transitioned from 
journalism and to finally say having our own construction companies in London and then finally you know moving on and getting into all this therapeutic work that you now do to help so many others um, Oh, bless you. Um, so it's actually quite, uh, I kind of feel like it hasn't transitioned that much. Although when I verbalise the words and exactly how you said, people kind of see these huge polarities and differences. And um, so I've always wanted to be a journalist. Um, I remember so clearly, I was six years old. My parents had bought their first news agent, newspaper shop in East London. And I so walked into this shop and there were newspapers and magazines all across the wall and I was like I was amazed I, I couldn't believe it well for starters we had access to sweets 24 7 because it was a sweet shop as well and um and these these papers with words and I was six years old and my parents were from India so they spoke Gujarati and at that point even though I was born and brought up here I wasn't fluent in English, neither in reading or writing. And um, although I was attending a local school, so that's kind of where it all started. I walked into this shop for the first time and I remember looking at newspapers and I've always loved the feeling of paper and books and the smell of these newspapers that used to get delivered every day is, is where it all started. I was like, what are these words on this page? Like, this is amazing. And um, yeah, it was just fascinating. There were words and there were pictures and there were magazines with different colours and comic books and and it was like nothing I had really... I mean, obviously it was stuff that I'd already seen, but all of a sudden I was going to be living in this space, right? Every day. And um, that was like a, a, a... Almost like a, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And um, and then my obsession with, with words effectively started then. Um, and it just kind of went from there. So so I really became so fascinated in the newspapers that I used to, that's how I taught myself how to read and write. So obviously I was going to school, but for me, coming back home was actually the fun part because it meant I get to get all these newspapers out. And, you know, if my parents allowed me to, I was allowed to kind of cut out cuttings and words and create stuff from it. And so that was like my childhood dream and I followed that through kind of relentlessly and um, I went on to become a local newspaper journalist then went on to work for various kind of national regional newspapers and television and research roles. Um, ended up actually becoming doing kind of various things in the context of journalism as well so I ended up doing investigative journalism focusing on um, ter international terrorism local source terrorism I then ended up really focusing on um, communities and community cohesion that became my kind of focal point because it was this realization that we are so not that different. We like to believe we are <laughs> because that gives us a sense of something, but ultimately we are so the same. And um, and so I really kind of started to focus on that and um, ended up working on this aspect of community cohesion and how newspapers can really, at this point, this is back then, when the digital kind of revolution was still starting because I'm of the analog age. and. Um, that's kind of where it started and I really loved that and so as a result of doing that I started to focus more on um, business stories, local business stories, national business stories. I also started to um, focus on interfaith dialogue which was, uh, which still is another huge thing of mine and um, 
And that's kind of where it all started. And it was this kind of thing. And then I ended up working uh, from kind of being a journalist, ended up working for lots of charities, um, uh, government bodies in in the role of of communications and, and bringing people together because those were the things that I just, I thrived on it. I, it just made so much sense to me. And that's how that happened to that point. <laughs> and um, then I got married and life changed again, as it does. Um, and and then my, then kids came along, life changes again. <laughs> and, um, and then after that, my husband was already working in construction and he is, um, so while we've been married, um, we have realized that he's neurodiverse. So that basically means he's on an ADHD spectrum. And that was like a quite a big challenge in our relationship because both of us had no idea what was happening. And um, it was this like, it was like another eye opener moment because it was like, hold on, we really kind of need to understand people properly. And we need to really understand what their lived experience truly is because we give people labels so quickly, right? And um, and people want to kind of live to these labels of who they really are. And so when, when that happened, and that, so if I can go back and put that into a little bit more context for listeners is, so me and my husband actually started working together in the same construction company, two very different roles. And um, I was in kind of communications and operations and he was actually in kind of in sales and project management. And what, what happened for me uh, operationally is I could see that in terms of the way that the teams were functioning, that there were huge kind of disparities, skills disparities and gaps in terms of how, you know, how everyone was kind of functioning. And for me, who, who comes from a background of kind of having community cohesion, it just feels like the most natural thing to do to say, guys, come on, let's work this out. What's going on and what skills do we need? What, what are the gaps we need to bridge? And, um, and then from that, I kind of started to realise that I was living with this person. I was married with this person. We had invested in each other's lives. We had shared projects together, our children. And um, we were working together, but there were things that just weren't kind of making sense. And that was causing a lot of difficulty in the relationship. And um, and one day I just said, look, I said, I know you probably don't want to do this. I said, but can you just do these tests just so we can get a little bit more clarity on what support you're going to need when you're running these projects and stuff? And um, he did this test and I think it was for him, it was like, oh my gosh, because he it came up that he potentially needed to have further investigation to see what was um, there for him. But for me, it was a huge sigh of relief because it was like, oh, this is brilliant because now we know what needs to happen next. And, um, and so again, you can see how, you know, for him, it was a whole different process. For me, it was a different process. And for us, it just opened up a whole new world because it was that realization again, that we are different, but not that different as we like to believe. And um, how can we make that work in the context of construction? Because our buildings are not really designed you know the way that they should be to really enhance the you know connectivity energy um really to kind of make everybody's experience equal 
And we see this, you know, and I think the pandemic, especially in the UK, has really kind of highlighted this because um, we've all been stuck indoors. And it's a reality of the fact that the houses and the spaces that we live in are truly not designed for us. They're just there as functional boxes. And the pandemic has been an absolute kind of eye opener for people when they've gone, oh, gosh, how do I live in this house all of a sudden? Because you've had to strip back, haven't you? You've had to go, okay, I'm by myself or I'm with these people constantly and the environment just isn't working for me. And so that's kind of where the construction side comes into it. So me and my husband set up um, kind of businesses, uh, I think it's been about 15 months now since we set up our first, yeah. But it's been a, a, a concept in, you know, in kind of, it's been sitting there for so long that we finally just went, right, we have to do this. And, and we did, and it's just been phenomenal. And and so we have two components to, to our business. So we have a residential and commercial arm on one side, and we have a specific focus on, on healthcare buildings. And that focuses specifically on inclusivity and holistic practice. Um, on how to make our hospitals, healthcare places, you know, our GP surgeries really kind of fit for human human purpose, human beings, because they're not. And there's no denying that. <laughs> and um, and they're not even they're not even particularly um, sustainably sourced either. So that's another thing that really kind of um, is on my list of things to do to kind of fix the world. Beautiful. I love the fact that. With your construction company, uh, it's not just and running a brick and mortar kind of a business. It's got a holistic dimension to it, where you want to create homes and spaces for people which are uh, not just like you know energy wise sustainable where people can live but also on an ecological level saying your raw material that is viable and sustainable so i love that whole aspect to your business as well let's just go a little deeper and uh, talk a little about your own experience about your battle with depression there was a brief moment in your life where you you know maybe getting out of bed and uh, really low on energy and uh, all of those things so but uh, share a little story about how you battled that oh, oh bless you wow um yeah so i think well depression to be absolutely you know candid is it's it's been there my whole life in in and it shows up when it has to and um and it, and it does, it showed up so many times. And there were so many, I wanna say there were so many reasons and I can't say that it's totally shifted because it's always there. And, um, and there have been many points in my life where I have just wanted to turn the light off and or just, there have been times even now, well, even now, but you know, where I, I do just want the ground to open up and to just to disappear and um and i know that that's not a very uncommon thought or an idea for many people and um and it's quite it's been quite um eye-opening for me because the more i have become when i reach these spaces of of kind of clarity and and light i feel able to open up about the darkness and and I've found that the more I open up about it and the more I can share my kind of experience of it 
more people seem to connect to that. And also, for me, it was, and you know, like we spoke before, and and to to explain to to your listeners, um, for me, you know, it, it's been a it's been a process. It's and it's still ongoing. And um, you know, on the face of it, I looked like everything was fine. I was dressed up every day. I was you know, out at family dues every day, showing up with my best face on. And, um, and and as far as everyone knew, everything was fine. But that's like too many of us. Too many of us are actually showing up in the world like everything's fine. And, you know, we have this like concept and idea of depression where if somebody is depressed that they are incredibly like upset or, you know, in tears or or recluse and actually no I was actually a high functioning depressive person with the intense anxiety and and that's what happens is you actually become so skilled at concealing it and you then also begin to realize that your depression or in my case especially and actually I've, I've was saying to you the other day I've read lots of um, scientific papers and especially there was one that came out a few months ago I'm um, talking about how depression itself could be a, a form of protection for us it's almost like a signal to say okay there's something that really needs to kind of be looked at or addressed and for me it was that realization that I wasn't going mad and that I had this kind of this aspect of me was telling me that I just needed to stop for me <laughs> And I, I felt quite, um, I felt quite, oh gosh, almost like empowered because it was this, I'd spent my whole life, you know, you do, you, you look for validation externally consistently from, from day one, you're looking at validation from your parents, from your family, from society, from, you know, your employer, when actually my depression was my way of saying to me, stop and validate yourself first, because no one else is going to do that for you and and so having I guess a perspective shift has been incredible but maintaining that consistently has been an unlearning process and and I share that with with all of you know my coaching clients with with people that I work with in the context of um you know because I'm training to be a, a hypnotherapist and and I I will make sure that I am I'm open, you know, if, if anyone wants to ask me a question about my experience, I'm happy to share it. But as long as you understand that my experience is not yours, there may be similarities. But when you start to look at other people's experiences to try and justify yourself because you haven't explored yourself yet, you're never going to get to the bottom of what your root cause is. And that's where kind of you have to be willing to do that exploration. And I've, I've done it and I am doing it and I do it every day. And it's a process and it's a new process that we're not actually, you know, we don't get taught it basically. Amazing. What I love about your story is not just how you came out of it, but the fact that you've given such a positive twist to 
um, maybe a topic which is such a taboo people don't want to talk about it let alone address it and accept that they were suffering or they were under the rim so I love that positive connotation about how your system needed to shut down in order to realize that things weren't right maybe something needed to change internally it took action such an inspiring and an empowering story I'm sure for a lot of our listeners because COVID time a lot of a lot has been happening um, it's been such a cathartic year. People have lost loved ones, their jobs, financial independence has really gone for a toss for a lot of us. So um, I'm so happy that you shared that story and I'm sure that it's going to inspire a lot of our listeners. Besides the battle with depression, of course, which has um, eventually led you on and you know you worked on your own personal development, your personal growth, your mindset, and uh, now you're a successful life coach and also an RTT um, expert training to be an hypnotherapist as well so share a little experience about what are those uh, things that you pick on from your practices um, that you implement in your daily life something that keeps you going tell us a little about that gosh yeah if i can just go back to your point about covid being um like a huge kind of shifter for everybody so it will be a year um on april the 4th since i lost my dad right at the beginning of the pandemic and he died because of covid at a time when the world didn't know what was going on. So that was quite a significant point. So I fully connect and fully understand that it just hasn't been easy for anybody. Um, but yeah, but I mean, in terms of coming back to you, what you were just asking about kind of the coaching side and the RTT training. And so I think, so I've always in some capacity, I've always been a coach um or a mentor and so i did my initial kind of coaching qualifications some gosh probably 10 8 to 10 years ago now possibly yeah and um and so what had happened is in so in the context of my kind of previous roles i had some level of kind of coaching attached to it whether it was coaching training and mentoring in the workplace and so it just seemed like a natural fit to kind of come out and widen that really to, to add to that. So then I signed up for the um, kind of coaching qualification, which I absolutely love. And um, and then I also decided to double whammy there, do the RTT as well. I mean, why not? I was kind of, I was like, well, lockdown was happening. What could I do with my time? That would mean that when, you know, lockdown eventually ends and when we kind of are on the other side of COVID, it was this realization for me very much so that, you know, what skills can I really add to, to my toolbox that are not only going to help me, but to help me to help my children and also to help other people because that's so important because I realized that not everybody finds it as, I can't say, not everybody is going to go through a journey the way that I did and that I was able to. Um, not everybody feels ready or, or comfortable to do that. And that's why it's important to have access to people who can guide you, um, you know, but possibly, you know, and, 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 you know, it could be a therapist, it could be a psychotherapist, it could be a psychologist, it could be a coach, um, or it could be through hypnotherapy. And there is, it's just adding to that really, because, and that also sits, for me, it sits in with the whole, like I was just talking about the construction side, because you know as people you know we don't need um you know we, we need more than just ourselves and 
That for me has been a huge learning curve because our conditioning tells us, especially in a culture like the UK, where we've come from, I've you know come from a culture where family codependency is so important. Um, yet I've been raised in a culture where understanding that connection and that family codependency was so alien that it 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 was a contradiction in terms, you know. And so how do you how do you kind of cope with that? And and being able to kind of go back to essentially to my cultural heritage to kind of see the value of that of those connections has been so important and um yeah so so that's kind of where so so that's kind of where the coaching and the rtt kind of initially started from it was kind of this realization that you know i'm i'm still on my journey and while i'm on it what else can i do to kind of you know add add a few more stuff to, add a few more bits in there and and meet some amazing people as well which has totally happened so i'm i feel gr- incredibly grateful I heard somewhere that um, a lot of teachers and mentors actually pick on topics uh, that they teach and mentor other people for. Uh, basically, they t- these topics are the topics that they themselves want to work on. So <laughs> that goes like yeah. that's totally aligned to why you took up what you took up. So that's yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you know, and then like the whole kind of creativity and life thing kind of comes about because I have um, you know my background, like I said, is in journalism and communications and community cohesion. But actually, um, I just didn't feel that coaching in just communications was was me. It because my whole kind of battle with depression has taught me that my default mechanism and everybody's default mechanism is actually creativity. And when you kind of enter into any level of 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 that dark cloud coming over you you're you're stunted your creative energy is is so stuck um and it has no expression and you have no voice and that's effectively where i kind of started to really invest my time in creative coaching because it was this you know so all of my clients yes we still work on you know our ultimate kind of vision alignment we still work on goal setting but if your kind of creative expression is not there which is essentially linked to your kind of emotional being everything else is still going to be a little bit of a jumbled mess so wow i totally can resonate with something like that because myself i'm in a corporate role and I'm kind of doing this on the side just to get my creative juices out there. <laughs> like I want to create. So, uh just let's let's just talk a little about uh what should anybody who doesn't have an access to say a creativity co- coach like you. Uh what can people do in their daily lives because we don't want to be stuck and our energies essentially remain stuck with our daily lives. Um and how do we channelize a lot more of the creativity a uh, creative aspect and not just be stuck on social media uh, for entertainment or maybe you for entertainment. Of course all of that is great. Netflix once in a while is great, but how do we get uh to a bigger picture uh, by getting our creative juices flowing? Oh gosh, see now now you're asking me after a year of basically binge watching Disney and Netflix. <laughs> oh, interesting. But you know what? Actually, it's interesting you say that because when we look, you know, when we watch 
Netflix or when we watch any kind of streaming show, any program, remember that there was somebody who who accessed their creative expression to to put that together for you. There was a whole kind of process, all of it together. And so it's that kind of how do you make that real and how do you make it happen? Um, but I mean, in terms of like every day, what I usually say to people is, you know, find mindfulness is so incredibly important. And I, you know, whether it's through the form of meditation, whether it's through the form of a few quiet minutes to yourself, that's going to be critical. And also when we look at creative expression, you know, going out for a walk and actually appreciating nature is a form of our default creative expression. And so, you know, when we're out, when you're looking at flowers, when you're looking at tree patterns, when you're looking at nature doing what nature does, that in itself is appreciation of our kind of creation, right? And so, so we seem to we seem to feel that kind of creative outlet is is in the form of um, you know a, a piece of art or a piece of writing, or and that's what we've been conditioned to believe. Um, but actually, you know, even just being playful is a form of your creative expression. And find time in the day to be playful. Have fun. <laughs> It's lovely. So being mindful, being uh, creative, going out for walks, being playful. These are your tips on how to get the creative juices going. Um, and that's beautiful because a lot of people um, do emphasize a lot on having regular nature walks. I love what you're doing with uh, all these practices of the RTT, the creativity coaching, all of that is so beautifully intertwined into the whole uh, aspect of you living your life with such a beautiful purpose and helping so many lives hundreds of people if not thousands of people on a daily basis uh, so we love that about you of course you know going back a little on the your on your experience with depression and considering the time that we're in a lot of us maybe are going through it right now without really being able to identify with what is really going on or what is wrong so how do you identify on a daily basis like are there any checks or any balances that you can um, have in your daily life say a wellness well-being ritual that uh, we all can have in order to identify if you know things are really beginning to go in the wrong direction and they need a set of course correction yeah so like my biggest kind of thing for anybody is is going back to what I said is the realization that you're not alone and and that's sometimes very difficult to to accept or to fully understand because sometimes you can be like and it was the case for me you know be in a busy household but still feel totally disconnected and totally alone and that is quite possibly how people may be feeling now so disconnected but it's also realizing like i say is 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 connection is key because what happens is and this is coming from me and i've worked on the other side um of you know in in the media and you know news messages are effectively designed to give you the news consistently and continuously okay so if there's something bad happening they're going to give you 50 angles of the bad happening so turn that around for yourself. Find the one good thing that's happening and give yourself 50 angles of that one good thing happening, right? Because you can do that for you. And you don't, you can make an active choice. You don't have to switch on the news. And tell me this much, just by listening to the news, how much has that truly served you? 
But if you take that one good thing that you have and you give it 50 angles, you've just shifted your perspective. You've changed your brain biochemistry. You've told yourself on a cellular level that this stuff is good. You've just given yourself a dopamine hit and guess what? It was all for free and you did it yourself. And so that would kind of be my kind of tip, really. <laughs> this has been such a powerful packed conversation right from dealing with depression in our daily lives to our well-being rituals to getting to know about how you got in uh, yourself inspired and motivated to get into such an inspiring practice um, of coaching people for creativity so this has been beautiful and it's been lovely chatting with you or me any closing thoughts uh, maybe you'd like to touch up oh just just you know what be fearlessly you that would be my thing and be unashamedly you and but just find out who you are <laughs> because once you once you do that it that's part of the playfulness that's part of the kind of playfulness be Beautiful. ready to explore who you are be authentically you so that is the message from yeah. urmi uh, that's lovely speaking to you Urmi. it's been such a pleasure thank to have you. you on buddha is calling and thank you for helping our audience discover the true purpose of their lives today You've reached the end of another episode of Buddha is Calling podcast. Connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at the rate Buddha is Calling podcast, your favorite podcast on finding your life's purpose and identifying your true passion is available on all leading podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Do not forget to leave us a review and share your favorite part of the episode. See you at the next episode where we continue on this mission to help you find your life's true calling.